Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. My guest today is Dr. Tracy Jones. Now, she is an author, speaker, a veteran. She's a publisher, a podcaster, and an international leadership expert who currently serves as president of Tremendous Leadership. She picked up the reins from her father, Charlie Tremendous Jones, in 2008. And Tracy is also a longtime friend and colleague, and I'm really excited to have her here again. So Tracy is a passionate, lifelong learner whose career spans top positions in four major industries, from the military to high-tech to defense contracting and, of course, publishing. She is the author of 11 titles, five of which are children's books that use her rescue pets to teach character development to our next generation of emerging leaders, and her latest book, Spark, Five Essentials to Ignite the Greatness Within, was an Amazon number one new release, and it contains her research on the energy between leaders and followers and the power of resiliency and intrinsic motivation. Just so you know, I think this is important, her company has donated over $1.8 million to local homeless shelters, recovery outreach, and mission groups, disaster recovery organizations, and scholarships to local colleges in the past 10 years. Tracy, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It has been way too long since you were here last. I don't even know how long it's been, to be honest. Well, thank you, Denise. It has been too long, at least several years, and I'm absolutely honored to be reconnected with you and sharing with your listeners. You have, thank you, you have been so busy since we last really had an in-depth conversation. We stay in touch on social media. We commiserate when our pets die. We're both rescue people. Mm-hmm. We both have cats and dogs, and we cry together. I think when we lose one, I just lost my, my Abbey Rose not too long mm-hmm. ago, and it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. But you have been somebody that I have great respect for. So I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm not going to wax eloquent all over you any more than I just did, but thank you for coming. Oh, Denise, thank you, and thank you for your words of encouragement. You know, I think the listeners will hear, no matter uh, how much we think we're doing, um, having other people really pour into us with words of exhortation or, or uh, input is, is what keeps us going and focused. It does, and you know, I think we get caught in our own maelstrom, if you will. We're always busy. We're always thinking. Yeah, there's always something going on, and it's easy to lose sight of how important yeah. our messaging can be to other people. And I'll be frank with you. That's why I do this podcast, because my guests, and I've said this time and time again, my guests are quite literally my mentors. I learn mm. From my guests, I learn from the books that y'all send me. Yeah, I do this twice a week, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't miss it for the world. Mm-hmm. Well, you hit the nail on the head. This is something you, you can't just say to yourself, well, I've achieved success, or I have a strong sense of self-esteem, or I know who I am, and boom, it's done. It's a lifelong journey, and every day you have to get up. There's a biblical principle about dying daily to self. Um, we are our own worst enemy. And then you couple all the nonsense that comes to us from the world and all the other sources and people we thought were in our corner, you name it, uh, but we're, the, we're our own worst enemy. But so it's so important to really just on a daily basis stay around people that really have their head in the game and have your back and stay in those books because the minute you gravitate away from them, uh, the world starts to swallow you up. And so it's very Uh, It's an imperative that, that, like you said, we stay in the zone of greatness to stay great because there's a lot of stuff swirling around us that looks to knock us off course. There really is, and this is why I don't watch television. I've never been a TV watcher. I cut cable over 10 years ago, one of the smartest things I ever did. But, you know, find those people who you really can appreciate. You don't have to agree with 
any of us all the time. That's ridiculous. But find those people who are who raise your water level. You know, water mm-hmm. seeks its own and you don't want to be in the icky side of the pond. You just don't. <laughs> so avoid people who are going to bring you down or tell you things that just don't resonate with you. Find people who are your people. That's the best I can say. Right. And the other person said to me on one of the podcasts, and stop trying to make not your people your people. I think uh, we have this need to kind of please people and be like, well, no, you don't get me. Well, they're probably never going to get you, so move on. Um, Denise, somebody gave me a, a little mental hook uh, the other the other month when I was talking to them, and they said, you know, we are like a beautiful bottle of fine wine, but we can't read our own label. We can only see from the inside out. And when you have these wonderful vintners that can look at us and read our label from the outside in, then they can really tell us, I know this is what you may think, but this is how people see you. This is how you, this is your aroma. This is your, um, how you're maturing. And so it's really important to have those people that will um, look at us from the outside in because no matter how self-aware we are, we still can only see what we can see. And just like I'm always baffled when people like you were so gracious when we when we dialed in and just just the words and, and that's so great for me to hear because again I get caught up in my own label about you know am I really even is any of this making a difference and I know that may shock your viewers because you're like wait a minute but I'm just being completely honest with you so it's really important and I love your fact that we want people in our lives that are going to tell us what we want and need to hear and not what we like and feel like we want to hear. So the people that see truth and love, yeah, got to have them. You really do, and that's why I make it a point to to be in masterminds. My, You know, one of my best masterminds, honestly, is me and one other person. Yes. But yes. we get not brutal with one another, but we don't, you know, sugarcoat anything. And everyone, so I had to, yesterday I had a migraine. I mean, I had a migraine coming, and I get a bit cranky. And I didn't get cranky with her, but I was short with her. And later I went, aww. Mm-hmm. So I sent her a Texas mess, you know, this morning and said, you know, I didn't mean to be so short with you. And she said, you weren't. I understood. Yeah. But I felt like I was not particularly gracious, and I wasn't. I had a headache. I was cranky. I wanted to bite. If I'd been in my car, Tracy, I would have bitten my steering wheel. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. But, you know, that's okay, Denise. And for the listeners out there, that you're going to have days like that. You're going to have days when you're not feeling particularly um, like igniting greatness or tremendous. But the people that you have in your life are going to be able to give you grace. And that's the important thing. I have some people that if I make a mistake, boy, they vilify me and they keep sending me email or text after text about how I've let them down. You don't need that stuff. We're not perfect. But you want to have people in your life that when we do say something, we're still human. You know, we're not Jesus. <laughs> so we're still going to say things that are completely and utterly selfish and cruel. But we check ourselves. And when you have people that are like, it's okay. I'm just so thankful that people that give, give me grace because then that enables me to give other people grace. So you want to have those people in there that get, okay, um, you know, I've gone too far. Not with the people that really care about you. You're never going to go too far because they're always going to be there with a spirit of forgiveness and grace. Exactly. And see, you are a kinder, gentler, much more tolerant person than I am. Because if somebody gets nasty with me, I just go, really? And I go full southern on their butts. You don't want that to happen. Well, this has been a real work in progress. I mean, you know, they say that people tend towards – uh, when you're at work, your professional love language is either task-oriented or relationship-oriented. I'm very much task-oriented, okay, probably to a fault, like just just get it done. And then when you're dealing with people and people's shortcomings, you either are more justice-oriented or more mercy-oriented. And I definitely skew towards the justice side, okay? Me That's just me. me. And, and, and the Lord friends. has really had We're to a lot focus alike. on that and say, hey, come on now, Um you need to see it from somebody else's perspective. You need to be the first to apologize. It is more important at, at times to be more relational than right. And so this is something in the last probably five years of my life. I read a great book called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen, and it really unpacked the root of our righteous indignation and how that's nonsense. 
you don't know what's going on in the other person's life. And uh, we see it, 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 it. Thank God you don't watch the media, but every now and then I'll see the comments. And the root of all this divisiveness is everybody thinks they're right. And guess what? You have no idea what's going through that other person's mind or heart. And his book really unpacked that. And I had to really take a long, hard look at myself and say, you, this is an area you really need to work on. I've had to do the same thing. You know, I'm goal-oriented. I can be – it's easy for me to <laughs> – I'm going to say it's leadership, but it's really bossy. I'm the oldest of a bunch of kids. I'm bossy. And it's just easier for me to say, do this, do this, and don't do that again. And I've mm-hmm. had to really train myself to back it down and say, okay, what's going on? How can I help you? Is there a problem that we can solve? And sometimes there isn't. But you have to at least go down that path. Right. Absolutely. So, Tracy, you have been, gosh, it's since we we have spoken last, it really has been too long and shame on us. We do stay in touch, but not as well as I think we ought to. So expect phone calls from me. But anyway, mm. you have become, you went back to college. Walk us through the last three or four or five years because you decided to go down really a different route. I did. Well, it's kind of funny, um, funny, funny now. It wasn't funny when it happened, but um, they say pain is a portal. And uh, for our listeners out there, if you're in, listening to this and you're in a time of pain, understand that uh, like it or not, this is how we grow. Uh, this is how we're chiseled down. This is how we're refined. This is how we're purified. So if you're in a time of pain, And uh, I'm not talking about the self-induced pain. If you're engaging in something that is not productive, healthy, unethical, illegal, or immoral, immoral, you need to stop that because that's self-inflicted pain. But sometimes in life, no matter how hard we try, it's like a slingshot. You want to release, but you keep getting pulled back. So about five years ago, I went through a series of events, and uh, I just kept striking out, striking out, striking out, striking out, striking out. And I was so defeated in my mind and so broken spiritually, personally, financially, healthy, health-wise, um, that I just said, you know what, I'm done. And I want to put all my uh, game pieces in the board. I want to put on the shelf, and I'm done with this. And I'm going to go back to school to work on my Ph.D., and I'm just going to play with my dogs. I'm just, I, I, I almost became like a modern-day recluse because I was just, I didn't know what else to do but um, to turn to books. So one thing was I had gotten a copy. One of the beauties of being a publisher is you get a lot of review copies of stuff. And somebody had sent me a copy of Henry Cloud's book, Dr. Henry Cloud, one of my all-time favorite authors, called The Power of the Other. And in it, he really unpacked, um, you think you have great people and things in your life, but you really need to be intentional because a lot of them are just absorbing bandwidth and all different other kinds of things. And so we just need to go ahead and, um, and deal with that. And then I decided to go back and go to school because I thought, I don't know what else to do. All my bag of tricks for business have failed. The people that I thought were going to be there have not been there. And how can I sit here and talk about leadership? I can't even lead my own business to success and myself to success. My health was failing. I had put on weight. My adrenal gland was shot. I was, I was just done. And so they always say you should pivot with purpose and not pain, but sometimes pain can be a tremendous motivator too. So I thought, you know what, Denise, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my PhD in leadership. I'm going to try and study the grounded literature in why the things that I've tried did or did not work and try and understand from an academic standpoint and not just what Tracy did or didn't do right. And so, and so that's what I did. And that was just an unbelievable time of just, getting away from the day-to-day grind, although I was still running the business, but to really fall in love with the act of leading myself, the joy of leading people, because trust me, I had lost that joy. And um, really putting together um, my dissertation, which was on the theory of motivation, intrinsic motivation, which is really what life is all about. Because if you you don't have your own accountability and intrinsic motivation, um, nothing else launches. And uh, I was a little burnout with the whole leadership genre about telling me as a leader, if it wasn't going right, that was all on me. And Denise, I will tell you, I can list, write a book on everything that I've done wrong, but you know what? 
I'm not, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not all on me. Leadership is a shared journey. And so Henry Cloud's book about really getting clear on, you've got to have the right people in the right spaces and you can't turn them into that. They've got to come to you ready, willing, and able to buy into your mission, not just want to draw a paycheck because um, otherwise it's going to be a very transactional relationship. So fast forward four years later, I completed my dissertation on um, a crisis event and how uh, did the leader really do anything in the crisis that made the followers say, hey, let's go back in to the burning building or hey, I'm out of here. I'm jumping this ship. And so it was really fascinating to watch and it reaffirmed a lot of my hunches and my own personal experiences through, throughout the year. So it was, it was validating and uh, kind of brought me to the whole field of followership and really the importance of really understanding who is going to resonate best with your leadership style and who do you identify with best as a follower before you go forth and build your team, your close friends, your mentors, all that stuff. So that, that's what I that's what I wound up doing during my recruiting. I remember right about that time we were talking about the issues you were having with the business and yeah. I had the distinct impression that you were ready to sell it or close it. Right. And that worried me a lot. Right. Right. Well, there's, there's portions of it. And for our, our listeners out there, the business is never anything tangible. Although you may have products and facilities and people, the business is really your legacy. It's your mission. It's your purpose. So the devil did his best to convince me that I had put a stake in the heart of the business. But the business can't be killed because the business is hope, truth, the transformational power of books, and the legacy of meeting wonderful people who advocate for you. Well, that's, that's a timeless truth. That's immutable. That's God. That's, I can't kill it no matter how many mistakes I made. So I really had to look at myself and say, step away from your ego. This is so much. There are things you did good and things you did poorly. So what? Uh, because if your heart's in the right place, this will always resurrect itself in the time and place. And quite frankly, Denise, a lot of that stuff needed purged off as a second generation business owner because I was holding on to some things and God was trying to tell me, no, 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 no. I'm going to take you in this direction, but I kept holding on to what I knew. So some of it, um, you know, God's beautiful in that he'll try and get you to let go, but if you don't let go, he'll purge it from you. And it's scary, but in the end, I knew in my heart, I have been avoiding this death for quite a few years, and it's time to let it go. So at once I did that, then I could get ready to rebuild, open my hands out, and relook at the landscape in a creative aspect versus a residual aspect. So for the listeners out there, anybody going through this time where you're losing something, remember, all creation starts with the death of something old. And that's scary and that's hard, but that's reality. So if something, and I don't care, you're going to be like, Tracy, you don't understand. I screwed this up. No, you don't understand. What predicated this was I made a horrific business decision. So understand, even in the worst, all things work together for good to those that love God. And if your missional heart is in the right place, you, it'll, always get, it'll always get turned into something tremendous. And I'm glad you said tremendous because I remember this conversation just as clear as if it happened last week. Yeah. You and I were talking. We were just chatting. And, you know, you're the daughter of Charlie Tremendous Jones. That, <laughs> that's something big to have on your shoulders. I mean, you hung around with Zig Ziglar. I mean, some of the people that were wandering in and out of your house just had me going, holy crap. You know, that yeah. was the, really interesting people but I remember we were talking and I was saying to you you're not your dad he's gone right remember right. that right absolutely absolutely and and again not but but for the listeners out there you automatically always and even if you're you, you just compare yourself to what other people doing what are the business doing and it's it's just natural but it's it's um it's very interesting it was also very humbling for me because I, unlike my father, I cut my teeth in Fortune 100 organizations, the military, where I had a lot of success operationally running big teams, big budgets, big organizations. I had a lot of leadership success. So when I get to this small independent niche company and I'm like, why cannot, why cannot, not, 
not crack this riddle, solve this riddle. And that was very humbling and very difficult for me. And I needed that because I was in a whole different space and a whole different world. Right. And I'm so glad that you were able to figure it out because when when I had the sense that you were thinking about just throwing up your hands and saying, ah, this is not for me, yeah. I remember thinking, well, where am I going to get my books? <laughs> I was completely selfish about it. No, I love it. But that's why we're here. It's never about me. And the problem where I wanted to quit was I made it about me. And you know what? And I, and I said to God, listen, um, if you want me to continue, send me the resources or the whatever um, to continue going. It doesn't have to be in anything. And, and, you know, we get so caught up in Denise, and this is for our listeners. I struggle with this every day. This is the thorn, the proverbial Paul thorn in the side. I am so obsessed because I'm an operations person and a bottom line nut cutter. I am so obsessed with outcome, outcome, outcome results. And we have to step away from that and usefulness. Am I being useful? Stop. Again, I turn and make that about me. And we have to really look at the beauty. What is, are you making the world a more beautiful place? Are you touching one life? Are you able to pay your bills and continue to move? Then stop with the other angst of how useful am I being? You'll be as useful as God determines you to be and as useful as you get out of your own way to be. So I think people like you and I are so coded to be, and the world co- oh, well, you know, I can do this for you. I can make you bigger, better, stronger, more hits, more this, more that. And, and you really got to look and say, okay, is that, is that what's going to be driving my decisions? Or, and granted, we're so business people, so I get that we have to look at the bottom line and the results. I think it was Patton had one of my favorite quotes. However beautiful the strategy, you have to occasionally look at the results. But we can't only look at the results. We have to lift our heads up and look at the broader perspective and, and, and look at, am I blessing people? Am I making a difference to people? And that has to be our source of greatest joy. And then we can track and tweak the um, back-end people processes, you know, bottom line, costs, all that other stuff. But a lot of times we let that drive the upper level of our purpose versus um, the other way around. Very true. And listen, I have found out to my deep chagrin, and I find it out daily, actually. It's like, oh, I just, I noticed this yesterday. Oh, here it is again, crud. I am my own bottleneck. Yeah. The truth yeah. is, and you've said this, most of us have no idea what we really want in life. So That's every right. day I hit that stinking bottleneck every day and I'll say really Denise you were just here yesterday what the heck sometimes I'll figure it out sometimes I have to shelve it and turn it over to my subconscious for review but at least I'm aware of it right and and you know I keep hearing again and again and for people like us I'm a multitasker I could do like 30 things in a day honestly I could write 20 books at a time that's a blessing, but that's my own worst curse. I call it the gift of complication. Um, and bottleneck is right. And, and people have kept telling me, Tracy, you're a radial thinker. Your brain operates like the spokes of a wheel. It's everywhere and it's turning. Uh, okay, that's great, but you're never going to get forward momentum until you really dial in your linear thinking. And they would say to me, the most successful people in life land on one thing and do that exceptionally well. Okay, now that doesn't mean we can't have other manifestations of it. You know what I'm saying? Like publishing, um, you know, is, is a manifestation of the tremendous life uh, because my father believed in the publishing or the changing of people's lives through books. And quite frankly, I, I don't know what I do without my book. So I'm an, I'm an all-in book evangelist. But it's very important that we really dial in what we want because when we get very focused and singular about what we want, we are able to cut out all the other noise, we're able to look for the right people. We're able to have the most important conversations. We're able to spend our money on the things because other people come up and go, well, have you thought this? And you can say, no, um, you know, that's not, that's not what I'm focused on right now. So when we get that real hyper focus, the most important thing that we can do for our success is to continue to hone exactly what is the best and highest use of our time. And we talk about what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? I mean, my, I just saw my mother-in-law yesterday. She's 102. Okay, I'm, I'm barely hitting the back nine of my life right now, and I'm pushing 60. So what is it? And that means every day we get to get very clear. Now, the beauty of it is the older you get, this actually is a more beautiful thing because 
you, you, the kids are gone. Um, most people at least have savings. You, you're not in the, the scrappy years of, oh my gosh, I just, I got to make ends meet, or am I supposed to stay married with this person? By this stage in life, a lot of that stuff has shaken out, <laughs> okay, and it's fallen out where it is. So now it's more at this stage of your life, and this is primarily where our market at Tremendous Leadership is. It's um, really like 60 to 85 where people are like, okay, I am now free to serve. What is the best and highest use of my time? And it'll keep you awake at night, not in a fearful standpoint, whereas when you're younger, you're like, is this marriage going to last? What are, are my kids going to make it? How am I going to make ends meet? This is more of a uh, a yearning stage of your life where you're looking at, uh, okay, I'm here in this job or I'm transitioning out of this job. What do I need to go to next that's the highest use of my time? You know, Tracy, I read, and I've read this a couple of times. I wish I had bookmarked it because I need to go back to it, but it's popped up, so there must be something in it. But People are saying, articles are saying, that the best time to become an entrepreneur is between the ages of 60 and 70. Have you seen that? Absolutely. And I think I'll put something on Facebook about that, but I've always heard, and I'm giving a speech to some young entrepreneurs in um, Mercer County, uh, Jersey coming up, um, that said your ages from 20 to 40 are your learning years, Okay. Take every job you can and learn as much as you can. Your ages from 40 to 60 are your earning years. This is where you capitalize on your expertise and you earn more and more. Your ages from 60 to 80 are your yearning years, where you yearn for something more. You've done it. You've learned. You've transacted. You've saved. You're experienced. And now you get to be the Jedi Master and share the world, the greatness. So Absolutely. I've got Missy Purdue, uh, Frank Purdue's widow, who just turned 80, and we're publishing her book later this month. It's, it's, uh, I'm working with people on coaching one-on-one that are in their 80s because they're like, I already have retired five times, but I've still got more in life. And that is the best time to do it because you get to live life on your own terms. My dad would always tell me, Tracy, you have two choices in life. You can work for somebody else or you can work for yourself. And there's this, you know, we, you hear about the great reset for the younger kids. There's a great reset for us pushing 60 on up where we're like, oh, no, oh, no, now I get to really live life in a constant giving back and on my terms. And that's the space I'm in, and it is really very, very exciting. Listen, I agree with you. One of my um, guests he's known as the godfather of the cell phone. He actually created the Motorola cell phone that you could walk outside with. You didn't have to be attached to your car. He's in his 90s. He wants Mm. to be the oldest person that goes out into space. Mm -hmm. And he's going to do it. I promise you he's going to do it. Fascinating guy. Never stops. He's known as a tremendous inventor. I mean, he's just everywhere. He does what he's doing, what he wants to do. He will tell you, I think he's 92. He will tell you he's living his best years right now. Yeah. Yes. And that's how life, um, that's how life is done. And, and if not, that's not on the world. That's on you. Um, you can reclaim your health. You can reclaim your purpose. You can take all the things you've been through and weave them into the next chapter. And it's exciting that, that a lot of people that are doing that. But, you know, um, read the books about the people that had done that. And, and I think that, that Facebook meme we both saw was that most people um, in their 70s, well, I think it was 70 to 80 is even, even, like you said, the most important time where you really land into your own, your seasoning. And my dad told me that growing up. He's like, Tracy, you're wet behind the ears until you're 55. And so I always knew I'm in this constant learning state. But you know what? It, that is the truth. So remember, folks, when you're looking for people to mentor or hire or bring on as a resource, nothing against youth, but they're still in their learning years, okay? And, and everybody will say, yeah, but they're this, that. Okay, but, but, but make sure that, that when you're bringing somebody on to work with, what they do is there's 
200,000 other people that can, uh, for example, like a digital marketing or a click funnel. Okay, I know we all think, oh, but this is the one person that does it best. Well, there's, there's, a, it's like real estate or something. Not to belittle anything, but there's so many people out there doing that. You want to really get with people that have seasoning and have expertise. And we have this weird thing. Well, they're older. They're not. They don't know how to do it anymore. Oh, trust me. They know how to do it. If they're still relevant in their 90s, they know more. They forget a day more than we'll probably ever know. So really look to those people that have that wisdom of the ages. And uh, because they're the ones that are really going to have um, the most resources and the most insights and the most life experience. Because everything that you're going through, they went through 20 times more than you did. And I think we somehow think that in the past 18 years, we somehow evolved into something new that no one's ever experienced before. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, how long has mankind been around? You know, it, it is what it is. So um, learn from the greats again. Why I went back to school is I wanted to learn from the seminal thinkers about the foundation of literature leadership and why certain things work and why certain things do work. So get back to the basics. So that's one of your takeaways, but can you, you know, give us maybe a case study or two about what happened when you did this, when you kind of just said, okay, I'm handing over the reins a bit of my company. I'm going to go take care of me for a while. What happened? Are there some stories that you can share that, you know, help us? Absolutely. Well, well, thanks for asking that. So the first thing was is I picked an area of study that I was passionately involved in, i.e. leadership and motivation. So even though I was kind of burnt out on a company about leadership and motivation, by getting into leadership and motivation on a daily um, intellectual cognitive way, it actually gave me great father, fodder, great motivation, great content, taught me how to read, research, vet site sources better. It, in the end, got me back in the field because it started pouring more into me about what I was trying to teach other people. So that's the first thing. Um, I thought, well, I'm going to go away. But you, everything that you study has to find an outlet. It, it, it pours out. It's like people would say about my dad, is he always like that? And I'm like, yeah, because if when you're getting poured into, if you stop up, if you damn that up, you're going to spontaneously humanly implode you know what I'm saying so you want to go ahead and have an outlet so all the things that I was doing were actually beautiful things for me as I was still doing the business and the other thing is with the business um, we're not launching nuclear warheads much of our business is not on a timeline where if you don't get it done today the world is going to end tomorrow so I really gave myself the grace to go you know what do I really need to push eBlast out three times a week? Do I really need to be doing social media? Do I? And I got really clear about the non-immediate value-added stuff. Sure, everything has a value, but there's also a cost. So I got really clear in what do I need to focus on? And one was I'm getting this PhD, and I'm going to complete it in, as soon as I can, and I'm not going to be one of those ABD all but the dissertation people. This is what haunted me at night that I would get started and not finish. And I'm like, we're not going to have that happen <laughs> again. So I got really clear. It also gave me the opportunity to really pull back from a lot of the things that I was doing from a business standpoint as far as socially, but were really just draining me. And they weren't, they weren't pushing the business for. I was just going through the motions. You know what I'm talking about, all the events, all the events I paid to be part of, all the things I showed up and did. And in the end, it's just like, stop, stop. You're not, there's nothing being accomplished by doing this. And I don't mean to say that I didn't get anything out of it, but what I'd say was I really did not feel like I was able to pour into vessels that were wanting what I was pouring out. So, you know, don't cash your pearls before swine. Go focus on where you need to pour your resources. So I would say for people, when you go through this, it's beautiful because you really get quiet and clear with yourself. It gives you an opportunity um, and I used my PhD. I was like, I can't do any of this stuff anymore. I have to come off these boards. And people are like, oh, it's okay. So it was wonderful because it gave me a wonderful, um, not excuse, but reason to say um, I, have to, I have to separate from this. Because hope springs eternal for me, Denise. I kept thinking, well, if I just do this another month or another year, or I just pay this bureau fee one more year, sure. And it's like, no, stop it. 
cut it, okay? Past precedent. Is there a proven track record? And part of it was, Denise, because I did not spend enough time figuring out where I wanted to strategically take the business. And so the time where I just was quiet gave me time to go, what do I get passionate about? Um, what's going to fund the business? Because no matter how much I love it, if I can't make money doing it, it's not really a business. It's a hobby. And uh, number three, uh, I just needed to step aside and just not keep looking for solutions to my problems and just really said, listen, is this really a problem that I need to fix right now? Do I need to bring somebody on right now to take care of this? Do I? Do I? And most of the time it was no. Because the more you try and fix problems before you really understand what it is you need, you're just going to be putting patches on it and you're going to end up spending a lot of resources and money. And a year from now, you're still going to have that gaping hole. So that's what I would say to the listeners out there. Just take time to really get clear on, take a sabbatical. Um, this November, December, I am pulling back from everything. And I have two little projects that I've been waiting to get done and everything else I'm pulling back from uh, because I need to take some time and really get clear uh, if I if I see 2022 as becoming the year that I want it to be. And I'm so glad you said that because in my show notes I have asked Tracy, you say that you can clearly and simply articulate what you want until you can clearly and simply articulate what you want. You'll keep drifting. I've yeah. been doing that, and it's driving me crazy. It is. It so is. it really is. It's just yeah. annoying. And I'm doing like you. I'm taking, I have been working like an insane person to get all of my client work done for the rest of the year, literally. Yeah. And yeah. I've got three clients yeah. who want to come on board and I'm refusing them until right. next year because I need November and December to get my head out of the clouds and get something done. Well, and one of the guys on my podcast said, leadership is not really about what you say yes to. It's about what you say no to. So you yes. and I are both in the same spot. I'm having to tell people with books, I'm like, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to put this in the parking lot for now. I'll get back to you in six months. But right now, that's not where my focus is. And so it's really important to people um, really take that time because otherwise you, you do keep spinning. And um, you do get clear on, so I'm clear on my two-word purpose. Kevin McCarthy helped me with this, and we're, we have his little book called Tough Shift <laughs> coming out the end of this month. Um, but it, he was very much, it, it should be a verb, and it should be a noun. And my, I, am on this, I am on this planet Earth to serve humanity by liberating greatness in others. Okay, so that's what I, am, and my dad had the same thing. He'd shake people up and, and say, don't talk so stupid. And they'd be like, yeah, I am great. Okay, I have the Imago Day. So I get that, um, but now that's not enough. Now I have to put skin on this framework of, okay, now from a tactical point of view, where am I going to focus my resources so I can help the most amount of people liberate their greatness? And um, it, is, it isn't, for the listeners out there, even when you identify your purpose, it's not like, oh, it all clicks into place. Um, I mean, you, you get click into place, but now you have to work out um, the mission. And that takes a lot of input. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of due diligence. And it takes a lot of other people pouring into you. Um, and I love that you have your one mastermind person because that's really all you need, somebody to sit there. Just the act of talking through with one person, you cannot believe the power in that. So I would also recommend for the people that if you do take that sabbatical, yeah, you need to get alone, but also have at least that one other person that you can really pour this into and say, what are your thoughts on this? Exactly. And listen, when you're deciding that you, you're making a shift, whatever it's going to be, whether you need to take two months off, three months off, a year off, whatever it's going to be, it's not a bullet point list. Once uh -huh. you start making this, you know, you've, You've got it. You can see it in your head. You can see the beauty in the journey. All of a sudden, you are literally just bombarded. You know how you'll, you'll see, oh, I don't know, the same color car that you just bought, a silver SUV, and all of a sudden, you thought you were the only one in town. All of a sudden, everybody in your grandmother's got one. Or yeah. you'll see, you know, the same article or thought process 
popping into your your view like an arrow is pointing at you going, Denise, would you pay attention? <laughs> and you're going to find that once you start to articulate what you want and you're no longer drifting, you've just created a whole new job. Mm-hmm. Job is not the word I'm looking for, but all of a sudden yeah. ideas, people, listen, I and I talk about this a lot. I probably should invest in bathtub crayons and have them in my garage because I keep them in my shower. <laughs> Seriously. Oh. The moment I get in the shower, you know, you relax and your brain, there's nothing to, yeah. to make you go, oh, answer the phone. Oh, look at him. Ah, or the cat's yelling at me. <laughs> Whatever it is, you can relax and all of a sudden instinct takes over or your guardian angel starts. To, I don't know. Ideas mm-hmm. pop into my head that have me going, ah! and I will never remember them by the time I get dry enough to go, go across the house. So I have bathtub crayons in there, and I will scribble all of these fantastic ideas yeah. that are coming to me because all of a sudden I've opened up to something new or wonderful. Yeah. And then yeah. I have to jump out, take a picture of my walls, and then wash the walls, but it works. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that you said that. When you take a sabbatical, that means be quiet. Because the problem yes. is, I have my list of what to do on the sabbatical, and it's like, no, that's not that's not what it's about. Stop. Stop. So you just got a lot of the space to be. You do. And like I say, when you – and once I started with this new project that I've got going on, and it's not new. It's been on my board forever. I finally just decided it's coming off that board and it's getting yeah. done. And I had yeah. to have a very stern talk with myself about yeah. don't take on any more clients. And it's difficult to turn away money. It's right. difficult to turn away people that you find fascinating, but you just need to take care of yourself mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. So take care of yourself. Take that sabbatical tell people no. My mother used to say that my very first word was not mom or dad or dog. It was no. And she said I meant it. She said I said it was trick verb. I love it. I can't believe that, Denise. Yep, right. <laughs> like you don't know me. I like the word no. I use it a lot. I don't even bother with no and thank you. It's just no. That's all there yeah. is. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Nothing wrong with that. Well, sometimes you have to do it, and you have to do it with yourself as well, is my point. We need to get to the point where we can tell ourselves, no, I'm yeah. drifting. I'm not yeah. I'm not being in faith with what it is that I really need or want or should do. And that includes saying no to the thinking, thinking, yes. uh, the self-doubts, the baggage. Um, just no. Capture it. It's going to land. We're human. Um, somebody's going to say something or our eyes are going to go someplace or we're going to, you know, and just say no. Out. Done. I'm evolving. So you have to evacuate all the stuff that's, that's working to keep you from evolving to the next level. And that's a process. That's really a daily uh, yeah. daily process. Sometimes it's, you know, each hour you're going, nope, 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 nope. I talk to myself a lot and tell myself no. I have to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. my brain is, you know, you're talking about the spokes in your brain. I've got a squirrel cage going on in mine, and it's constantly going, and it wears me out. And I will have to say, stop. Just yeah. settle down. Yeah. Stop. It is. And, and you know, Denise, the other thing is, um, you know, life has ups and downs, peaks and valleys. And for the listeners out there, there are going to be times when you're going to listen to this podcast and go, I got it dialed in. You're going to, you're going to be so dialed in, but then there are going to be times when you, when you're not dialed in and that's completely normal. So I just want you to know um, whether you're in a season, some people are coming through 2021 as um, one of the best years of their life. Other people are coming through 2021 as one of the worst years of their life, but be advised the pendulum always swings. So if you're not there, that's okay. Keep on keeping on because the beauty of the Valley is it's not a bottomless pit. You hit that, and then and then it, and then there'll be another valley in the future. But once you understand this is just the ebb and flow of life, then you're not so rattled when it happens. It's not fun. I'm like, oh crap! You know, every time I, every time stuff's going good, I'm like, oh, this is great. But I know, I know what's coming next <laughs> because that's how we learn, you know. And so, um, and, and kept humble and kept real. So, uh, you know, 
it's just one of those things that that you know you're going to go through it and and may 2022 be the year for both of us that we feel incredibly focused and dialed in and i'm already there i mean i fully intend to not get in my own way not be my own bottleneck and that's very empowering now that i've recognized where i'm making those really silly bottlenecks. Some of them are just because, you know, I'll go do this myself instead of having somebody on my team do it. And you were talking earlier about people. Listen, I learned a long time ago that when I hire somebody to be on my team, they may be working on, I don't know, Infusionsoft or Keep or whatever it's called. They may be an expert on social media, whatever it is. They're an expert on it, and they're better at it than I am. I can do it. I don't ask my team to do anything that I can't already do myself. Yeah, but I can't stay on top of everything. I can't, right. you know, be constantly keeping up with all the different changes. So I make sure I hire people who are better at something than I am. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, beautiful. But I love that you brought up too. Um, you understand what they're doing. It's just a matter of time because I think oh, yeah. as entrepreneurs, we tend to just go, oh, I'm just going to, this person said that. Do your homework, do your due diligence, okay, because you're going to end up on the other side of this. If you don't know what you expect them to do, it's just like when you hire somebody and don't make it clear what the what the rules and re- roles and responsibilities are. It's, it's too ad hoc. And even as entrepreneurs, we think, well, we'll just figure it out. And that's, that's never a good way. <laughs> never a good no, way to approach it. No, no, no. You have to have a clear idea of what it is that you're asking them to do. Even if you don't know the technology part of it, you need to know something about it so you can say, you know, I asked you to do this, but what you produce doesn't look quite right to me. Let's talk about this. Right. You can spend an awful lot of time backing and forthing if you aren't clear on your expectations and they're not clear on what they can provide you. So, you know, be careful who you're hiring and be careful how you're hiring Find somebody who's better than you are. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty simple. And if you can find self-starters, even better. Okay, oh, so I know. They're hard well, to that was really um, – hang on. I'm writing writing some things down that you said because that was beautiful. Um, that's what I found out in my doctoral research. Um, you know, it was a crisis, and uh, it was a merger that went south. And um, my question was interviewing the leaders and followers from the merging organization as, one, as well as the one that was absorbed. You know, is there anything that the leader said that made you go in? And you know what I found out? There really wasn't. These people were either intrinsically motivated well before the merger, and they stayed motivated in the fire. I mean, it's just like in the military. If you're not brave before the combat starts, you're not going to be brave when the combat starts. And this is something I suspected. So when we hire people, yeah, capability is nice, but that intrinsic, robust, resiliency, can-do spirit, I'll figure it out, that is priceless. And, um, yeah, and really that's is. what you really need to hire for. Because I could tell before I'd interview people, um, I could tell within five seconds of them talking, all right, maybe 15, which side of the fence they were on. They either thought the sky was falling. And I could tell by just their persona. It had nothing to do with the leader. Nothing at all. Because they were all promised their jobs, blah, blah, blah. They were all promised all this stuff. But yet some were like, the sky is falling. So you need to make sure that you bring people on that um, have that adaptive capacity that I'll figure it out, that are clear, because nobody knows how to do everything, but that they, if, if they don't believe in themselves, there's nothing as a leader I can do for you. I can't lead you. That My dad would always say that I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make it drink. I can put salt in your oats and make you thirsty, but you still have to come to the organizational well and drink. And the no amount of threats or money or cajoling or whatever um, – can can make you do that. And let's steer off a bit because we're talking about leadership, but this is also how I allow friends into my life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your friends and your your colleagues probably are pretty much the same type of people if you're paying attention. Yes. That's a great insight. Yeah. And, and, and you don't want, you want good people in all aspects of your life, not just, not just in some. Exactly. And listen, I, you know, I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a highly committed introvert. I'm not shy and I don't have any 
I don't have any filters, so that can get dangerous every once in a while. I'm not at all shy, but people, being around people can wear me out. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm 59 and three-quarter minutes, and after that, i got to go. But I like people just fine, but I really need to be alone. My, I'm in my head all the time. I'm in my thoughts all the time. I don't want somebody talking at me unless or until I'm ready to have a conversation. Thank goodness my my group, my tribe, if you will, are largely like me, and they get it. They're not offended if I don't talk to them for three weeks or a year. Right. <laughs> I got a card, a, a wonderful sympathy card from a friend of mine who honestly lives probably 30 minutes away. We are very good friends. We haven't seen each other in 20 years, and we finally just figured that out. But we're in touch all the time. We don't live that far away from each other. But she's an introvert. Yes. I'm an introvert. This is how we operate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's good. So when you bring people in your organization, if you if you operate like that and you hire people whose professional love language is constant affirmation there's going to be an issue (laughs) because you're going to need from you as the leader that constant pat on the back and we are kind of like you should know if you're doing a good job don't you know if you're doing a good job so it's good to understand who really does it for you and one of the other things I learned in leadership is don't tell me to be all things to all people only now I understand the verse when Paul said that but my most authentic leadership style and your most authentic leadership style and every leadership leader listener out there resonates with a very unique follower. Find them, okay? Because otherwise you're going to be untrue. And what happened to me is that people kept telling me, well, you need to do this. You know, I'm like, oh, dear Lord. And I finally lost my leadership voice. And I kept trying to get people, again, trying to make not my people, my people, trying to make not my followers, my followers by doing all this leadership SEs, whatever, the latest thing about, oh, here's enough. No, I can't do it. I can't make you engage no more than I can make my husband love me. This is something that comes out of people and is is shared. So just get really clear on knowing who does it for you. You know who does it for you romantically. Uh, Who does it for you professionally? And really get clear on that. And when you bring somebody on, you think, oh, gosh, I've got to have this person. I can't tell you, Denise, and people told me this. When you want it bad, that's how you get it. But i got to have this person. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And that's not just something that happened here. I did that many times throughout my career. Um, wait for the right fit to happen. Because the wrong fit will cost you 100 times more um, than no fit will. Oh, exactly. And I tell people who are in service-based industries like me, do not take the clients that show up. Just because yeah. you need the money or you need to create a portfolio yeah. if you're a web developer as I am, wait for those people who you get. They get you, yeah. and they are a perfect client. Listen, Tracy, I have clients that have been with me for, oh, geez, in some cases 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just – we keep working together. We keep rebuilding their websites as needed. When social media came along, I was like, hey – have you heard about Twitter? Now I hate Twitter. What have you heard about Twitter? You know, always be looking for ways to find the people that you need in your business and make yeah. sure that you are what they need because they're right. in your business. Right. Not that they're they're not yeah. Right. That's exactly right. So and listen, it's not going to be everybody. And, and you're not no. a bad business leader or a bad leader if it's not everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm watching The Chosen. I'm, I'm, I'm like obsessed with it. Uh, the Chosen is an app. Um, Dallas Jenkins, the, whose father did the Left Behind series. And it's all about how Jesus called each of his disciples. He was very intentional about it. He didn't just say, hey, everybody who wants to come on, come on. That's not how it went down. But he, he it's, fa- it's a fascinating leadership. And why wouldn't God be the greatest leadership example of all time since he created leadership? And uh, it just, it's fascinating. Exactly. You want to wait for the people that resonate with your message. And, and Jesus did speak to a lot of people. Uh, there's a part where he said to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus knew exactly who he was, that he was the son of man, okay, and the son of God. But Nicodemus, he couldn't leave his life. So, therefore, there was that non-value congruence. And Jesus could have said, well, come on along. I'll, I'll, I'll work with you. I'll try and let you still be a, 
a Pharisee and kind of have, you're all in or you're not. And I think with leaders, we need to find people for our entity where they are all in with our mission and what we're doing. And uh, that's a tough thing in today's world, Denise, because everybody's all about what's me, 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 and what am I getting out of it? And I'm like, oh, Lord, the world's going to fly apart because we cannot operate like that. Um, remember the 20 to 40 years of your earning years. You get in there and you build somebody else's dream because the goal is eventually you will go be able to build your own dream. But we're doing people the service to let them know to think, just when you enter, even me growing up with Zig Ziglar and, and Norman Vincent Peale and all these guys as a, since a child, I still didn't know from 20 to 40 what I was supposed to be doing. So, you know, this, oh, just go out and do it on your own. And you, they're an idiot. You can't learn anything from them. We're doing a huge disservice to people. Uh, we can learn something even from the biggest idiot out there. So stop and learn and hone your skill set. And uh, hopefully we'll get that messaging out there for people. But don't bring anybody onto your team that isn't isn't willing to be taught and learn and molded either. Exactly. And that means business and that means your personal life. Because there really, these days, many, many of us work from home or mm -hmm. we're solopreneurs, entrepreneurs. We can't really make the distinction between right. business and, and personal. Right. It's right. pretty much all the same. Right. So if you're going right. to treat business people differently than you treat your personal people, see a doctor. You're schizophrenic. Right. Or read a book. That's cheaper. Read a tremendous book. <laughs> read a bunch of them. Listen, you've got, in speaking of books, and we've got three or four more. Wow, this went fast. We've got about three or four more minutes. Your newest book. Tell us about that. Well, Spark came out a year ago, and that was the five essentials to ignite the greatness within, and really that was a construct because I still am, I still am an analytic. I still am an engineer at heart, okay? Um, you can tell me everything in the world that you think I should be doing, but if you don't give me a construct or tools to make it happen, I'm just going to look at you and say, this is way too esoteric. This is way too nebulous. How do I put it to work in my life? So Spark is an acronym, S-P-A-R-K. Uh, S is singularity, and P is persistence. This is what you bring to the table, okay? I don't know why God has you here on this earth, and I can't do the work for you, all right? And the government can't pay you to sit there and do no work either. So this is what you bring to the table. A-R-K are your advocates, the people that will be the, the prefects, the mentors that want your success more than you want, uh, the resources, which are the tools, the website, the branding, and the knowledge, which is constantly being a state of learning. That's the externals that come in. So everything in life is this duality. Um, I, you can give me all the resources in the world, but if I'm not clear in my own head and own space and own work ethic, it'll fall flat. The same token, I can have the greatest calling in the world and never quit. I'll die before I quit. But if I don't have the right resources, money, people opening doors for me or knowledge, it's going to fall flat. So that's really what Spark is about, this duality, the intrinsic motivation, and the external things we need. And then my latest book, which came out last month, is just one of the life-changing classics, and that's called Burn It or Bridget, A Tale of Two Employees. And in life, you're going to have people that are going to rock you or shock you. You want the people that rock your world. And so that's what it's, – it's kind of a modern-day who moved my cheese about staying away from toxic personalities, people that are self-oriented, people that are dismissive of your feelings. It's, I liken it to the cancel culture going on right now. Um, people that are wise in their own eyes and don't have time for you. And there's a large amount of that going on in the workforce right now. So we as leaders need to be aware. Um, can, is this person teachable? And if not, it's not on you as a leader. We're responsible to people, but not for people. And those lines have blurred and we need to start. We're doing the good people a disservice by tolerating the bad. That is absolutely true because what happens with any organization, I've seen it, you've seen it, you've got that one rotten apple, the one that shows up late, who's dismissive of everybody. It's just nobody likes him, nobody wants to be in the lunchroom with him, but he's tolerated. And that infects everybody else, whether you recognize it or not. After a while, you're like, well, he doesn't have to be a decent human being. Why should I show up on time? Right. Right. So yeah, cut cut when you work, cut where you need to cut and add where you need to add. Tracy, where can this has been wonderful? Where can people find you? 
Absolutely. Well, if you go over to TremendousLeadership.com or TracyCJones.com, that's Tracy with an E, um, you can find the blogs, speaking, two free weeks of ebooks, all our social media. If you click on the contact us, I'll go to our global world headquarters in South Central PA, and I will answer you directly. You also have um, a podcast, Leaders on Leadership. Yep, Leaders on Leadership, where we talk with seasoned leaders about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. It's not all that easy, and there's going to be a price you're going to have to pay, but it is well worth it. Definitely. Tracy, thank you so much for coming back. I know it's been a long time, and but you know what? We're still friends. We've been talking about that. You know we it. Still be friends. If you, you don't have to talk every other week. I wouldn't. It's just not in me. <laughs> But thank you so much for coming back, and it's been wonderful speaking with you. And I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you've shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us on iTunes and really anywhere else you consume your business podcast. You can't throw a stick on the Internet, literally, without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So go find us and take us along on your success journey. Tracy, thank you. Thank you, Denise, and thanks to the listeners out there. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 